Did you go to TGI Fridays or Ruby Tuesdays? Oh, Del? no, I went to uh, Red Lobster. Oh, right. Of course, your regular haunt. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Regular haunts, not necessarily the correct thing. But uh, that's the kind of thing that they would say on like friends or something like that. So. Yeah. I mean, it's a place uh, where I like to go. Like, it's never really wronged me, except for. The- Does everyone know your name, Charlie? And are they no. always glad you came? No. Although I did call the, I did, I did, like, I was talking about what I wanted, and I was like, oh, I think I want, like, crunchy. I think I want some crunchies. And, like, the wait, one of the waitresses thought that was the funniest thing ever. And I was like, <laughs> like, mm, like, please don't call me out like this. <laughs> I mean, were you the one that said it when you were trying to articulate what you wanted to order? I was talking to Dell. I wasn't talking to okay. anybody other than Dell. I wasn't, oh, like. Oh, and the waitress overheard? Correct. Oh my god. And I was like, "Mm, all right. (laughs) I mean, it's not good that the waitress, like, called you out. It's just, like, that is such a you thing. I mean, yeah, I know this. But, uh, Del thought it was very funny. Um. That's okay. I, like, um, I don't know how much... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna just say that, um, yeah, that happened, and, well, I didn't know where I wanted to go get food, and then I was like, well, Red Lobster never lets me down, so. Yeah. Olive Garden will let you down. But oh, very Lobster. much so. Oh, it was very busy on Friday night when I drove past there. Oh, I'm not surprised. Uh, it's like banging. always one of the most popular places to go, or at least it was in where I grew up. I feel like Olive Garden is also a void space, at least the one where I live, because... A void space or a liminal space? Uh, no, a void space, because they're always hiring and it's always busy there. Ah. So I don't know what sacrifices they do to God, continue to keep their don't service. Don't talk about when you talk about things like that. It just gives me ideas. Like I feel like I need to write that down and take a note of, about it. I mean, it's just right now like an Olive Garden chain restaurant. It's always hiring. That is a cosmic horror. It's cosmic horror. Yeah. <laughs> like I had too much food. Because Olive Garden, not Olive Garden, but Red Lobster is still a place that, and I think it's only like maybe one of three places in total that will, when you go, you always get a, you always get a salad and bread. You always get a salad and bread. I can only, like, they they started trimming that down. Certain restaurants don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. So. Or they do the bread, but not the salad. Exactly. So the, the, the places that do the salad and the bread, depending on what kind of bread it is. Red Lobster, it's always the salad and the biscuits. Outback Steakhouse, pumpernickel bread roll, like brown bread with the butter, salad. Mm-hmm. Longhorn Steakhouse, bread, salad. I'm not counting the Olive Garden. Cause- God, I haven't been to a fucking Longhorn Steakhouse in a long ass Better time, than Outback, so. actually. Yeah, no, uh, Longhorn is really good. I used to love their mac and cheese a lot. Like... The last time I went to Longhorn Steakhouse, I got way too much food. It is a lot of food. It's like, sometimes I'm just like, I want this. This is what I want. I want this. They're like chicken firecracker wraps are really good. Those are the appetizer that we'd always get. Like, I could just eat those for a meal. Well, I mean, also appetizers are sometimes good meals. Sometimes. You can count on my hand, like my one hand, places that'll give you a salad and bread when you go. And then sometimes you aren't expecting it or you don't remember it. I always remember because I remember things like that because I have to fixate <laughs> on them. So it's like, oh, I want to go here. It's like, oh, I'm going to order this meal. And then I forgot that I'm getting a salad and bread. 
so I technically don't need to eat as much. But I ate, I ate my salad, and I ate a Cheddar Bay biscuit. Only one. And then I had my drink, and then I had way too much food. Because I got, like, I'm like, I wanted this. I would just God. Like, something that I wanted. I was like, I want the shrimp, but I also want these, like, clam strips. But I also want this other thing. And I'm like, well, it comes on one plate, so I might as well get it. So I ate kind of some of it, and then I took the rest home. And it made an excellent next-day meal in the oven. I'm glad, because normally you don't eat leftovers. I don't, except for if it's from a restaurant. If it's, like, something simple and not gross the next day, most of the time I eat all my food when I go out. I feel obligated to an extent. And a lot of times when I go out to dinner, I go some, like, I'm going someplace nice, so I eat all my food because the portions aren't that big. So I usually don't end up with leftovers. The only time I've had leftovers recently was, like, that time at Red Lobster just now. And when Gio and I went to the Olive Garden, because he wanted to go to the Olive Garden, so he went to the Olive Garden. It was not bad. It was actually pretty okay. I almost always have leftovers from restaurants, because I always, I'm the person that I want a little bit of everything. And, like, usually what will happen is everything that I want or I'm hungry for isn't on one meal. So I'll, like, order a side or order, you know, some accessory dish that then comes home with me in part because I can't finish it. Or if I'm out and I have someone that will eat the thing, I will like be like, here, you eat it. Yes, I know this. I am, I am that person. Hello, and welcome to The Young Ones, a podcast about teen superhero teams and how we love them. My name is Charlie, and I use they, them pronouns. And I'm Mikey, and I use he, him pronouns. And this is episode 22. I don't have an anecdote, because I've run out. Uh, we're happy to see you, and glad to be back, and doing a little bit something different, because that seems to be... Something different seems to be our usual nowadays. (laughs) Yes, but it's only because that's what we've chosen to do. It's not like we're unavailable to continue to do what we had been doing. Yeah, it's not like some celestial or divine being came down from the heavens and said, you must be unusual. Like, it's not like Loki is directing us to be like the chaotic neutral of podcasts or anything. Correct. It's just that there's some things I want to talk about. And it's my podcast. And I'll do what I want. I mean, it's our podcast. You could object if you wanted to, but I don't hear your objections, so we're continuing down this road. I actually just let you keep talking because I had to close my door, but I had no object- uh, objections either. Good, because I'm pretty sure you enjoyed what, what we're doing this week anyway. It gave you some time to catch up to things. Yes, it did. And I had a lot of stuff to talk about because I read it. Like, some of it I read and didn't get to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it, but like not at at length as such we usually do which is technically the reason why we have a podcast because like it's completely possible for us to talk for like four hours about something i mean it's not like we don't still do that sometimes yeah i know it's just like we should i should keep this for the podcast no i'm just gonna talk about it anyway that's like why we had an hour discussion like 
two episodes ago that we made it into <laughs> one episode. Yeah, and that was on a week where like we'd talk to each other after work like almost every day. So it wasn't like we weren't talking and everything just vomited forth when we got on the mic. Exactly. I mean, it's just because I have a lot of capital O opinions about things. I mean, same. That's why I'm trying to get on a like guest on another podcast. So <laughs> look at you. I just want to talk about things. I just like talking about things with people. It's nice. I mean, it is nice. That's why podcast nice is people. a why podcast is a medium, I guess. Like that's why it's there's so many. I mean, yeah, my friend Nora, who is a very prolific podcaster, she jokes that like the new thing of like exchanging business cards for millennials is like, do you want to be on my podcast? Like we'll guest on each other's it's podcast. Not wrong. Like that's not wrong at all. Yeah. Nora does like I want to say like three or four podcasts. It's a lot. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how she and she like puts out like role playing games all the time. I don't know how she does it. That's terrifying. Maybe that's just terrifying to me because I have a full time job. So I mean, so does she. But I guess like Yeesh. if you have ideas, they just I don't know. You just got to let them free. I guess. I mean, I have ideas and then also sit down most of the day. <laughs> yeah. She and Anna just started a new podcast, actually. Oh, um, yes. Anna Landine. I haven't listened to it yet. It's called Pot of Lore, and it's about video game role-playing, like, lore and mythology and comparing it to actual real-life mythology. That's good. Yeah, so they started with, like, the original God of War, and I haven't had a chance to catch it yet. Well, wow, that's good. No, that's good. That's something That's something everybody should watch. Watch. Read. Watch. Watch, read. Read. Listen. <laughs> Listen. I mean, there is, like, Idle Thumbs does have a joke that... The listeners are readers but i mean anyway what is a medium what is what is this hashtag content let's Hash let's get on this hashtag content yes anyway uh this week we're gonna talk about some comic books that are recent that we're gonna catch up with our good good comic book friends that we care about dearly yeah some in some ways way more than is good for Strictly people necessary <laughs> yes and i'll tell you a story about why that's true <laughs> yeah i have some things to talk about that's for sure but yeah we're gonna catch up with some stories that are teen superhero adjacent adjacent i mean yes most of them were well no all of them were teen superheroes at one point yeah it makes a lot of sense to me yeah i mean your mileage may vary i guess but chances are if you're listening to this it didn't sway you because you weren't like, <laughs> hey, this isn't what this isn't what this podcast should be. And you hung up the phone or whatever you did. <laughs> what is this? Like first, like reading and watching and now hanging up the phone like that's not. Yes. Dial 1-800-YOUNG-ONES for your podcast today. Three payments of thirty nine ninety five. You don't have to pay us three payments of thirty nine ninety five. I would like it if you did and wanted to, but I'm not going to ask anybody to do that. Anyway, anyway, let's talk about New Mutants: Dead Souls number four, Charlie. <laughs> let's talk about it. So, if you don't already know and you haven't been reading it, first of all, why? And second of all, you should be reading it. And Third of all, before we get into it, I'm going to give us the creative team. Please. Um, this is written by Matthew Rosenberg, drawn by Adam Gorham, 
Colors are done by Marco Garland, and the letter is VC's Clayton Cowles, which is a very good name. Yes. That's a good mouthfeel. Very good color. Very good colors. And Adam does the pencils and the inks. Yeah. That's why I just said artists. His inks are super distinct, which is... Or, oh, did I, or I said yeah, draws. You said, you yeah. said draws. It, it covers bases. Yeah. Anyway. Yes, if you haven't been reading this book, it is a miniseries, and I understand that it comes out every month, but it is so good and i think it only continues to get better with every issue yeah like it feels tighter like every issue feels tighter and i don't know if that's because the stakes are continually going up or what but it is like it's everything i want in a book and i'm not just saying that because my favorite characters are in the book (laughs) like it's legitimately a story we don't get to see with an art style we don't get to see like i i still think that adam's like art is very indie comic Mm -hmm. it like he's a little bit too house style but the fact that he draws iliana the way he draws iliana and no one else draws her that way yeah it's it it speaks a lot about like the 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 style of the book the kind of the the flavor of it and all the characters in it so quick story about Damien's dead souls number four yes (laughs) i so the last issue, issue number three, which we haven't talked about, we didn't talk about last time we talked about New Mutants because it wasn't out, ended in a cliffhanger that was supposedly a plane crash with Ileana and Richter still on the plane. Oh, you mean like your ongoing anxiety for like a whole month about what was going to happen? Yeah. Like that isn't calling you out. It's just like that's a fact of life. That's a fact of life. That, that is why May was like part of the, like, why are my favorite things being annihilated by aircrafts i don't know like that was just that's just the thing that was happening yeah there was the it's it's upsetting and strange that that (laughs) was a through line through may when that you were concerned about may but then it like got worse Yeah, yeah it did get worse in terms of at least like charlie and favorite characters here's me after reading the preview for new mutants number four and it's basically saying here, like, we start out with the realization that Rick didn't make it out of the plane. Ileana did. We're, we're, here we are. And I know, like, in my heart of hearts, I was like, well, this can't be, this can't be right. I've had many theories. Like, theories were how I was getting through this. Like, I was yeah, like. Yeah, you were pinboarding hardcore. I was pin, I was so hardcore about my theories about how this worked. And I was dissecting things that weren't maybe necessarily there. And I was like, this is not right. So I was like trying to like make all this make sense. And I knew. I mean, we were like laying everything out on like the discord and we'd talk about it and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So I knew that we'd get through this and it was probably not going to end poorly near the like at the end of this series. I was like, maybe this is a through line. The rest of the series will take to tie it up. That sucked. Like to think about like having to wait month to month for that. Right. But it was like kind of the preview was like grim. And I'm like, hey, okay, here. And everyone's like, oh, look, it's Ileana and Kitty are having this nice moment in this, in this, in these issues. And I'm, like, tire. and I'm like, excuse me. Like, can we talk about how Richter's dead? Can we talk about that? Like, cause that's, I'm not okay. I'm not okay I with mean, this. The moment is nice, but yeah, I can understand being apprehensive. People were kind of mean to Matthew about that. And I think my feelings about the issue, like, change you were you were you were you were a little harsh too i mean i not like directly at him but just you were like 
I'm extremely upset and worried. Yes. I mean, that that was my worries. But people were actually like, they were like calling him out about things like that they didn't even know like about the, the issue hadn't come out yet. Yeah. And I was like, can we not do that? And that's like, can I take like five seconds to talk about how frustrating it is to see people get on creators for things that might not even be true or like yes. things that are informed by their headcanons. I am all for headcanons. Like, y'all, if if this is your first Young Ones episode, you know, Charlie and I came from fandom, are still in it in some regards. We were in that world and, like, know how all of that works and, like, are really into alternate universes and theories and, you know, stuff like that. But I... I see the appeal of that and I get the appeal and I know, but what frustrates me is people harping on creators for things that are ongoing and may or may not have happened or be happening and like their speculation informing how they're, because it happens in TV, it happens in movies, it happens in video games and it happens in comics. And... Especially when someone is, like, making an honest attempt to make something good and, like, also have some suspense in the comic. Mm -hmm. I get so frustrated when people will start tweeting at them and, like, telling them everything wrong that they're doing and calling them a bad person for telling a story, essentially. And it's like, if you're one of those people, I very rarely talk directly to the audience, but audience, if you are one of those people... That as soon as you read a solicit or see something or you read an issue and you start speculating about what could happen and you go like yell at the creator on Twitter or whatever about how they may or may not have killed your favorite character or done this bad thing. Like sometimes that's no, I'm going to say almost never is it justified to go directly into someone's mentions and yell at them. Correct. Because especially if you go directly into someone's mentions and just mention them like first. They're the only person that's going to see it. Your feed is not going to see it. So, like, doing that does nothing but make you feel, like, this, like, vindication from yelling at someone. And, like, there's another person behind the Twitter wall mm -hmm. that is a real human being. And, like, if you're going to talk about something being bad or doing something harmful... By all means, but like do it in a way that that's isn't just screaming. Yeah, do it in a way that's constructive. And where like if your actual goal is to let other people know like what's going on and why this is bad, there are ways to do that. Me personally, if I was doing that, I wouldn't mention the person's username in my tweet at all. Right? They're going to name search me anyway. I'd go bitch about it on my private Twitter. Or, or I'd like <laughs> censor their name so they can't find it. Yeah. Because, like, the, the, I've been yelled at by Dan Slot on Twitter and Mark Brooks both for not even, I didn't even mention them. They just came into my mentions when I was like, Mark Brooks's art is a little melty. Like, I wasn't calling you out. I was just like, I'm not really a fan of your art. And, like, that isn't okay either to just be like, my art is perfect and I use a, I will have you know that I use this, that. And it's like, I just don't like your art. Bro, it wasn't saying anything. <laughs> right. Like, neither of those things is okay. Yeah. Like, but if you want to, if you want to say, and like, there's something later that if I had read it on the day it had come out, I would have got said some words about it on Twitter, but I would have not gone into the, like, I would have not gone into Mark Guggenheim's mentions over it. Yeah, people did, though. Yeah, I know. And I'm just, I'm just saying, like, that's my piece. 
please don't do that. Yeah, we'll talk about um that. Yeah, like there are so many better ways and it doesn't, all it does is make people mad and actually make them less likely to take criticism seriously. Yeah, and, and Matthew Rosenberg is a very nice man mm. and he will have a conversation with you about something. Like, he will, like he will take time out of his day and, and talk to you about a thing if you have a issue with it so don't be rude yeah hopefully hopefully nobody that listens to us is like that and i don't have anything against you personally if you are i'm just telling you i used to be one of those people back in my early days of the internet and it's not healthy for anybody no it isn't i'm telling you that you can free yourself free free your mind and the rest will follow thank you sure thanks Mm -hmm. anyway so i had to sit with a preview for like a couple days and wonder and my, needless to say i mean I, pre- I prepared for it but i was like i still have like top level anxiety about this and so uh it was tuesday night and i'd resigned myself to not sleeping and i did it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i never do that everybody yeah i know like, anybody who knows me knows that i love my sleep a lot but i just couldn't like i could not so i'm here waiting for this issue to drop on my marvel app which usually happens around like 3 a.m or 3 30 a.m and i'm just having a time and i'm waiting and i'm waiting and my friend my friend natalie like she pre-ordered the issue digitally somehow and she got it like yeah that's a thing before it showed up on the app and i see her tweeting about reading it and i was like i like dm'd her i'm like natalie you have to you have to tell me what's going on going on all i need is a thumbs up or thumbs down. That's all I need. Like until I can read this, <laughs> and I, I was like having like a solid twenty minutes while she was like reading the issue and like kind of tweeting it at me, like kind of like talking to me around, like around what was happening. Mm-hmm. And like she finally like sent me the issue. <laughs> like I'm sorry, I don't usually do that with comics, but like this is a crisis event, so I had to know. So she sent she sent me the issue, and. Everything turned out better than expected? Yeah. Honestly, I had taken the day off from work because I was like, I'm not able to, like, think straight at work. I'll be useless there. And plus, I didn't sleep. So, um, I'll talk about how I feel about what happens, but Mikey, how'd you feel about it? Well, first off, yeah, you can subscribe and pre-order digitally. Like, that's a thing that I would do sometimes. Yeah, there's even ways to, certain comic book stores, you can even, like, technically order through them. So they get, like, credit for the sale. That's good. So a way to keep them above board that doesn't participate in Diamond, actually. Oh, good. But it's a little bit more fiddly and less clear if it counts the same way, because comic books are mm. a whole thing. Direct market, yes. Yeah. If you've never, like, gone in and tried to order a comic book before, and that's some... I know we talk about that sometimes, but I realize, like, we've never talked about how you do that. I'm not going to sit and give a tutorial on it, but Kelly Sue DeConnick has an excellent tutorial that she did for captain marvel that has line by line like the form and like exactly what you have to tell people and exactly what you have to do so you know if that's something that ever comes up in the future that you'd like to do definitely check out kelly sue's post but yeah i read this i i did not have the same level of emotional investment that you did in it but i i liked it i thought that the way that this whole situation was resolved was really good actually i did too um so what happens is so they have like this funeral shatterstar gives like a eulogy 
uh, Ileana is like constantly having a breakdown because she's like, I'm a bad leader and a bad person. And like Peter comes to talk to her and like she try she try because she tries to give a eulogy and fails. So Rain freaks out at Guido for killing her baby. And there's a whole lot that happens. There's a whole lot that happens. And like I said, I like I told you previously, I'm not entirely certain if this was the intent, but you can like you can start to see as this situation continues, like this whole funeral continues, the cracks, like the things that are right but not right. Yeah. The way that people are right but not right. Like, it's, if it was done intentionally, like, yeah, masterful, like, two thumbs up. So what ends up happening is, like, Danny, Danny Moonstar is there, and... Ileana, like, she comes up to Ileana and starts talking to her after Ileana can't give the eulogy and, like, she breaks Rain and Guido out of the fight. But then Ileana kind of, like, realizes something and she's like, you were a Valkyrie, like, you could have done something about this, like, why weren't you there? And she draws the soul sword out and causes a big scene and then we learn that it was Karma's brother all the way and like it was all a big illusion like nobody died they're still on the plane so i really like that because what it is is like all of these little moments it's when you're trapped in a nightmare where all your insecurities and fears like the moment with kitty looks like it could be sweet but it's actually what iliana sees all of these people as in comparison to her perceived failure to keep rick alive yes so it's like kitty is the strong stable you know leader that iliana can't be or doesn't think she is you know shatterstar is like he sits and give this eulogy and doesn't really show any emotion which also isn't really like star of today at all he is the you know the uh i want to say the word is stolid but i don't know um he's like this this like warrior that can't you know doesn't show any cracks and then she's a warrior that goes up and like just ends up mcfucking losing it they're very similar by the way yeah and so then she's you know drinking and then peter's like the big brother that like has all the good um advice and you know she's the sister that's failed him and she failed rain and like it's all these like what it is is it's not people coming up to comfort her it's people like showing like being a mirror of her own insecurities yes which i'm sure uh karma's brother tran tran his name is tran okay i can't ever remember he had two brothers she had two brothers i know that's why i can't remember his this one's name is tran okay because he doesn't know any of these people no it's all in her head yeah so he's using like her and he's doing it to, like, torment her. I really like that. So very rarely do we get to see Ileana and dealing, like, with her trauma and stuff like that when it's divorced from the Dark Child. I would say that, and someone on um, Twitter um, brought this up in response to the issue, it's very seldom we see Ileana be anything other than, a, like, a, a magical teleporting school bus. Yeah. Or, like, someone that's, like, her pat, her dark past comes back and, you know, causes havoc for everyone else. Because, like, 
the Dark Child saga has like come up, you know, several times. So honestly, really, if this has been the whole time since like she teleported those people, like this has been an illusion. So in the issue like prior, like the Dark Child came, like she transformed into the Dark Child. Um, maybe like that isn't even a thing. Maybe like that's a trans manifestation of her anger. I mean, it's hard to tell where the line is drawn, yeah. but I'm fairly certain that the Dark Child transformation and ever and Rick stepping out of the like the the stepping circle and everything was real. Like that was real. I think when he when she stabbed obviously when she stabbed Tran, like he like made her like think all of that. Like like she he like presented the illusion to her. Well, she didn't even stab that guy. Like she had it got to the point of her drawing her sword. No, she stabbed him. Okay. He doesn't yeah. look stabbed in the in the panel, so Yeah, she she did. She stabbed him with this little sword. And then then at that point we see the the, the disconnect. Like to the point where when we come back like from this illusionary, like illusory funeral, it's um Rick is like popping his head back in. It's like holy shit, magic! Did you kill the fucking pilot? <laughs> and uh, and then she, she's, she's like, so happy to see him. Yeah, she throws her arms around him, and he's like, "Why are you touching me?" <laughs> I loved that. Like I yeah, did. It was really good. It was so good. Uh, like. Oh man, it was just really good. And then they have this entire like banter back and forth about how like Rick asks her if she can fly the plane. She says no, she can't. And he says it like it can't be too hard. And she's like, why don't you do it? And he's like, no, I can't. It's, it's hard. It's difficult. <laughs> like it's so what she does is she just teleports them through limbo to the like water beneath them yeah to so like another like through, through limbo and to another location it's apparently yeah, so the plane them, doesn't like, show up later. until nine days later yeah that's still a long time to go missing i mean that's limbo though right yeah but it's nine days it was like it was probably like a second in limbo but it's like and by the way i told you that whole thing was going to come back i just didn't know how no it's really good but nine days is still a long time to go missing my boyfriend went missing for nine days. I'd probably be a little bit upset. Like, yeah. Just <laughs> so it's funny because, like, the scene between Kitty and Ileana is like Ileana doesn't know how to do her makeup. Is mm -hmm. like that's kind of the the physical thing that's happening, even though they're talking about something else. It's just like emblematic of that. Kelly, uh, Kitty's like you know since they've known each other. Ileana perceives her as having become this, like, well-put-together person. And then, like, in X-Men Gold, which we'll talk about in a little bit here, um, Kitty talks about how she hates makeup. So, um, you know, not that that's necessarily a detail that would be maintained, like, and is on her essential list of character traits or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but it's just funny because it's like, that was the illusory Kitty was the one that was, like, into makeup and knew what she was doing. And then... The kitty in X-Men Gold is like, what's a mascara? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah. But I want to talk about for a second. Oh, uh, Warlock. Oh, uh, well, I don't know what's happening with poor Warlock. Yeah. I've got no kids, idea. The, the kids are like beating him up. And then sure enough, the kid that was a supposed mutant explodes? Question mark. And Warlock apologizes. And then the kid turns him into a piece of like life. Force Ash? I don't know. 
I don't know what's happening with. I, I mean, there's a, pot, a smoking pile of ash, and the kid is smoking, and there's like the gold. Sparkles. That is one part of this whole thing that I can't slot into anything else. Yeah, I'm really interested. I mean, obviously, it's all connected, or it wouldn't be in the same story. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's interesting. That's for sure. Yes, I'm not sure how that ties into everything else. I do until before we're finished here. I do want warlock though. A poor warlock. Poor, uh, poor Doug Ramsey. I'm not even going to go into that. Yeah. There's stuff happening with that. Um. Anyway, I want to talk about how there is a, and maybe not necessarily in this issue. I think this, is, this issue is very tight, but it's a character study on Eliana against everything else. Really? Um. Like the backdrop like of Rick's funeral. And like, that may make it sound like it's like, well, this is the important thing, but the funeral wasn't real, so we had to make some things important. Like, I very much appreciate the fact that Shatterstar was there, like, yeah. giving a eulogy, whether or not, like, it's it was like... So it's not him, but that's how Ileana thinks of him. It, correct. So it's like... So she Shadow Realm. him. Yeah, Shadow Realm, Shatterstar giving this eulogy. Right. Whether or not... If it was, like, a real funeral, we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, like... Hopefully never, actually. We don't have to see that, ever, <laughs> actually. Yeah. yeah, so, like, everybody thinks of... And, to be fair, like, I think we've talked about this before. Ileana presents herself as, like, this hard badass that, you know, depending on how you take, like... I know people have some thoughts about the Chris Bocklo, like, redesign of her that was, like, the leather booty shorts. And to... Be clear, I appreciated that uniform only from a sense of it's an extremely good, like, very kick my ass and kill me look. Yep. And, like, I appreciate it from that, but it's also, like, she wants to look like the hardcore badass and, like, wants to pretend to be that person, um, but clearly is not, like, clearly has all the feelings, just doesn't know how to express them. And so, like... I did, because of X-Men Gold, actually, I uh, was doing some research, This is, but it ties in nicely to this, about her, well, not even origin story necessarily, but, like, what happened to her and what took her from, like, the angelic, like, younger sister of Colossus to the Ileana Rasputin that we know today. I think I had some inkling of what had happened, but I had no idea it was as skeevy and, like, traumatic as it was. Oh, that magic miniseries? Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, extremely messed up. Like, not in a way the where The fact I, that like, the entire thing's a metaphor for child abuse? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know. Looking at this, at least, like, obviously, I didn't read through the whole thing. Like, I feel less bad about it, maybe, than the way the Purple Man was handled in the original Alias, or, like, the way Carol Danvers was handled when she was still Miss Marvel. You know, this is kind of like a recurring theme in superhero comics because it's like some of it comes from how do we make women strong, which if you feel like you have to put women through incredible trauma to make them strong, buddy, let me tell you something. You're doing it wrong. Yeah, you're doing it wrong. That goes for anyone, but especially women. Like, Yeah, like I say especially women because it's a theme that comes up so much as like the only origin story for them. And... It's it's a theme in, like, more than just comics, too, of, like, oh, this horrible thing happened, like, her entire family died, so now she can be a badass, like, a man. And it's, like, mm. Mm. <laughs> But, yeah, no, it's, I, I feel like this was handled 
better than some of the other ones, but that's still like Dark Child and all of that is like representative of her reclaiming her trauma. Yeah. And something that is very common in people that are survivors of trauma is being it being difficult to convey your own emotions or like not necessarily in any one particular way, but like having trouble externalizing and compartmentalizing and processing your emotions and like them coming out in ways that maybe you don't intend or, you know, aren't the healthiest way. Because either because you're trying to protect people or like you have some sense in your head of like what you need to do and that's like not the way that you ideally should do it. And I think that very much comes out in this story. Like, again, like as much as as much as some of the origin stories are bad, I do appreciate when writers sit and like think through like, okay, but what does this actually mean? Like, what does it mean to deal with something like this ongoing? Like it never really goes away. Yeah. And it's it. And especially for Ileana, like what what happened is a part of her. Yeah. Like, and that's not something that she can, like, in real life, obviously it doesn't go away, but with therapy and stuff like that, you can, like, depending on the trauma, your PTSD can can be helped to a point where it's, like, something that you don't think about every day. But with Ileana, like, limbo and, like, all of that is so tied to that whole story that that's, like, something that, like, she could never engage with her powers, but that's not something that would make sense for her to do is like that's not in character for her um so she just kind of has to like deal with it and it like makes itself back out just in terms of like maybe she doesn't put that connection together but it's definitely the way that she has her emotions and like the way that she feels like she has to protect everyone and it's funny because we kind of see the same thing in some of the cable issues we're going to talk about today yeah uh the theme does run through, and one more thing I'll talk about that I want to talk about before we leave this. Yeah, absolutely. Is when when the preview came out, and it was like, and we like, you know, we knew what was up without really knowing what was up. Stumbled on some unfortunate comments on the preview, like on the preview, like the site that the preview was on. Oh yeah. About how it was a good thing that Rick probably died because he can't really be on a team because he's too abrasive. Oh, wow. Multiple people said this. Oof. Which, I see you. I see you made that comment. He's still here, but I still see you. What do you... Do people say that about Cyclops, too? No, and you know why? No, I know why. That's why I said it. You know why? Because I think... A lot of people are scared of an angry gay man. An angry gay Latino man. Exactly. That knows what he's about and isn't afraid to use it. Exactly. And I think that people dislike that. Yeah. And I hate that I've come to that conclusion, but that those comments solidified it for me. And obviously not everyone feels that way, but I think having... An angry gay Latino man in a comic book is important. Like, yes. It's important that Rick's the way he is. Whether or not people, like, then trust me, I'm not going to sit here and, like, give Peter David ass pats 
for like his portrayal of Richter, not in any way, shape, or form, because this was around way before that. But I think that it's really important to see that because you don't see that at all. Yeah. Like you see the, you see what, like you see people see queerness how they want to or how they think they want to. Yeah. I saw something um, recently that was talking about how the queer like women in comic books are actually like way more diverse than the queer men in comic books. Or at least, like, the the people that actually are, like, main characters. Because mm-hmm. I wouldn't call, like, North Star's uh, husband, like, a main character. No, I would not either. Like, I appreciate that that's, that he's there. His name's Kyle, right? Correct. Um, yeah, I appreciate that Kyle exists. Like, don't get me wrong. But he's not someone who's, like, a main... He's, he's background. He's a background character. And once, like, the marriage was kind of said and done, like, he's kind of faded into the background. Yeah. So, like, in large part, because even as much as I love them, like, Billy and Teddy are both, like, optically, like, white gay men, you know, North Star, obviously. And so having, like, a queer Latino man, like, I saw, like, a Twitter conversation or something about it. Like, Richter was the only person people could think of that wasn't white and was a queer man in comics. Mm -hmm. So... You know, like, there's probably other characters, but at least in, like, mainstream superhero comics, they don't, like, spring to mind. I guess, um, like, maybe a gnoll, but he's a green boy, so. He's a, he's a lizard boy. Yeah. It's hard to classify. Again, something, something, something about, like, making queer characters, like, lizards or monsters, which is nice, and don't get me wrong, I do love a good monster boy, but something, something... Green skin is not diversity, something, something. Yeah, something. no, you're you're not wrong. But yeah, that whole thing I think is in- extremely important to have that narrative. Like, he knows what he is, he knows what he wants, he knows what he doesn't want, and he's not afraid to tell you about it. So I'm sorry that you think he's abrasive, but I feel like people only I feel like people only think that because they don't get it. Or like they they are bringing their own feelings about the matter. Yeah, or it's upsetting to them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry you're upset by this. I don't care. He doesn't care either. You don't see people saying the same thing about America, but again, like, that's because, like... Oh, yeah, you're exactly correct. She's, like, a rough sock'em, bop'em. Her attitude is, wait, here's another classification for you. The fact that she can be classified as sassy let me talk to you about that. Yeah, no, I know. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> like, there, yeah. that, that's a that's a stereotype. And, you know, like, I'm not saying America is a stereotype. I'm saying people... She's, she's definitely fallen into that category with people. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. But she's also, like, she's the one, right? Like, she's the one character that's like that in comics. And, like, the one badass queer uh, Latina character. Like there's other there's other like female Latina heroes and even like I don't know what Renee Montoya is doing in DC these days. I I have no idea what's going. She's in a book. I don't. I just don't. I I couldn't tell you other than that. Yeah, but again, she's like she's like the one people that people think of and they're like they point at and they go that's diversity and like the fact that just the fact that we have all these characters that we're like this is the one like this is cool that they exist. Yeah. This is the one. And that here, should not be 
like having one person is it's a to- it's tokenism it's not diversity correct and people and people feel safe being able to put people in boxes so yeah but they see like that one person they're like oh this is too much too much this is too much this is too much yeah it's it's way too much they who a and b no (laughs) one person like it's it's the whole thing of like you know when something is like 13 percent women like people think it's like a majority of women or too many women it's the same thing with with this kind of stuff i would like to see more characters like that so we don't have like we have rick being his wonderful abrasive lovely self that i would love to see him do more of but we have different representations of um like what it is to be latinx and stuff like that because that's not where comics is right now no it's not and because rick can't be like rick can't be put in the sassy gay box he's mean Mm. like and he is mean unless some (laughs) people write him but he's out of character then yes exactly that's my soapbox i'm getting down i'm getting down off of it yeah no it's that's the thing though right is like people saying like he's can't he's not like dictating and like tone policing a fictional character which is really weird um uh, just as like i i I know people do it and i know why people do it it's because they're like racist yes you know maybe they wouldn't they wouldn't call them it is a racist thing to do like pure and simple like you might not realize it but it is and it's informed like it's it's a microaggression right yeah bottom line people are scared of uh, angry gay men yeah <laughs> when people are like oh he's like this and he shouldn't be on a team like what you're saying is like that's 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 why we only see one person it's because like that per- one person was allowed to exist at one point and now they're here but like people are afraid to create more and that sucks. Yeah. Like, I want to get to a place where superhero comics, A, doesn't have the direct market anymore for literally everything. And we talked about, we, you and I talked about this on the phone. Yeah. But, but I also want to get to a place where I don't feel like I have to clutch at straws to, to be happy of my, like, queer children characters and like characters that are not white and stuff like that. I want to get to a place. And I think I think comics can do it. Like it's slowly getting there. I do too. I, I do too. I, I think, and I'm going to bring this up at the end of our conversation. Got a whole lot to cover. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there is something to be said for maybe directions where we're going um, that I'm seeing maybe actively things start to change, but we'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll go there. So, New Moon's Dead Souls is great. Go buy it and read it. And it's uh got two more issues. Yeah. So one next month and the one in August. And then I don't know. Maybe we'll get a surprise about those characters. Yeah. I hope so. Some Someone's been dropping hints to me. So perhaps we'll get some Are you allowed things. to say that? Um, yes, because everybody can read it on Twitter. <laughs> okay. That's, that's fair. If it's public on Twitter, yeah. When someone says... Don't worry. I have a very good feeling they'll be popping up uh, more soon. What else can you say? That's true. Like, oh, also, uh, you can see everybody from New Mutant Stetzels in Multiple Man number one that comes out. Well, would have will have come out on Wednesday. You should probably read that, too. Yeah. So, Cable. Cable, yeah. So, first off, before we get into the comics themselves, just really briefly, so apparently this book has been canceled, which... Okay. Uh, Zach Thompson may have known from the start and like 
just couldn't announce it. Yes. Uh, I believe Zach and Lonnie both knew that this was going to be the last thing that they could do, and they did it, which is fine. Yeah. Marvel seems to have this weird, like, planned obsolescence thing that, like, the creators are aware of, but they don't announce to fans until, like, the last issue is coming out, which is weird for a lot of reasons, but especially because the very, like, 155 sold out, like, completely sold out its first print run. The fact that that happened and it wasn't like extended or anything like that is really interesting to me just as like a marvel what are you what's happening like what is going on over there yeah considering that two books that were canceled are coming back yeah that that also happened um (laughs) so iceman is coming back and then what's the other book the unstoppable wasp yeah which which good but uh good for you cena grace but if you pull some shit we're going to have some words, or we're not actually going to have words, because we talked about how you don't do that. I'm going to have private words with myself and Mikey. <laughs> yeah, let's let's stick to private words. Yes. I just happened to be watching Zach Thompson's brother's uh, Twitch stream, Top Speed Runner Bok Basoop, <laughs> and Zach was in, like, the Twitch chat and was talking about how, like, he was getting, like, the, the numbers coming in and, like, it sold out its first print run. So, like, it is a book that did incredibly well, or at least it did in the very beginning. And I have no, like, the numbers are obviously going to drop off as the comic continues. But, yeah, it's it's just weird. It's weird. Yeah, comics is weird. Yeah, I mean, I assume that they're still canceling it because there's something that else that's, like, coming down the tube for Cable. Yeah, and then, I'm like, sure. I can't imagine Cable will be gone for too long considering and then zach thompson is writing um the they're actually doing a continuation of gerard way's edge of spider-verse comic which is the spider-man met thing zach thompson will be writing that so that's interesting that that's getting an ongoing because that was a cool thing who knows man again comics is weird like i'm uh they canceled cable they're not like deciding to continue it but i am writing this continuation of Edge of Spider-Verse that Gerard Way of Umbrella Academy and My Chemical Romance fame started. <laughs> like, also, apparently Gerard Way is, like, a super cool person, so... Well, I'm not surprised. So, Cable. Cable uh, 157? Yes. Written by Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler. Yeah, so our creative team for this is Lonnie Nadler and Zach Thompson on the words, uh, Germont... German? German. Ger- German. It's German. George okay. German. Peralta. German. Sure. Well, uh, has the accent over the A. I don't know. Is the artist, uh, Jesus Albertov, is the colorist. I really, really like this book. So how good is this book, right? I really, really like this book. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I opened this one up. And pretty much immediately, like, it goes into Cable in, in New York City. And I was like, damn, this young Cable is hot. <laughs> that was literally, like, one of the first things that I thought. I cannot lie to you. This artist draws everybody super attractive. Yeah, but there's, like, I don't know what it is. It's, like... He looks like a Street Fighter Five character, but in a really good way. 
he has this vulner like he's extremely attractive but also has this like vulnerability about him he's got a little bit of a smolder going on i'm not gonna lie yeah but he's also kind of like he's younger in this and it's it's really good like i couldn't i just couldn't get over it like you know what he you know what he looks like chris redfield a little from bit. A little bit. Yeah, I can Resident see it. Evil. That's 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 who I'm thinking of. Who's also like an extremely attractive like video game character. Yes. So yeah, I I really like that. So what kind of happens in this is there's there's a techno organic monster that's been following Cable. He like injured. He ambushed Hope in her like safe house and gave her a matching scar. And we don't really know what he is, but it's like someone from Cable's past that has come back and is now tormenting him as Cable like goes through his memories. Mm-hmm. So Nate Gray like shows up out of nowhere, like kind of like falls out of a time portal and lands on the floor. <laughs> essentially. Yeah, no, that's literally what happens. That's literally what happens, yeah. In Cable's safe house. So they like uh Cable like revives him. With some like future goo, future future goo, yeah, it's like a it's like um, medi gels, yeah, and then <laughs> but he like has it in like a mortar and pestle, and he just smears the pestle on Nate's face. I mean, it, it, it sure is a scene. It is a scene, um, because then this this techno organic monstrosity, Metis, like comes alive and is there. And, like, the thing, the ongoing thing that happens here that I really, really like is whenever he's around, like, Cable's techno-organic virus becomes really hard to control and it gets all spiky and dissonant and weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like that as, like, a visual motif. And so, like, he attacks both of them. There's, like, you know what? Now that I've made the Chris Redfield connection, this is an extremely, like, um nemesis looking scene and we're like looking over cable's shoulder and it's yeah. extremely resident evil it's extremely resident evil that makes a lot of sense doesn't and it you know fuck runs a lot of resident evil <laughs> yes it makes a lot of sense now that i'm th- now that i've put two and two together i'm like you know what he's probably watched he's probably watched bach run resident evil and um especially resident evil 3 a Three, lot that's box this thing is like, yeah, yeah this is like literally that nemesis fight in the basement yeah um it's really funny <laughs> i'm just realizing that now so um after the nemesis fight in the basement they do a <laughs> speed running glitch to time not really they time slide by two uh to um i haven't even started watching gdc yet that's going on this week but uh anyway oh you mean sgdq so, yeah sgdq not gdc so they time slide to the end of the universe, basically, with a bunch of other cables. So it's all like alternate universe cables. One of them looks straight up like that skin from Overwatch. Also, the one. Also, yes, you're correct. The one with the like chewy bandana, uh, the like skull bandana, like yes. the skull mouth bandana. Um, I had to look him up because for a second it looked like he could have been like Age of Age of X. But there was no eight, uh, cable in I was going to say, Nate's from Age of Apocalypse. That's where Nate's from. No, Age of X was like a different thing that yes. I'm still not sure exactly what it was. All I know <laughs> is I really like the costume designs, but the story sounded like it was garbage. <laughs> Clay Man did like costume redesigns for all the X-Men that actually looked kind of cool. Well, there you go. But yeah, so they're they're here. And so it's like 
a thou like a bunch of they're at this like secret base safe house with like a bunch of cable twins. It's like who can I trust? It's like a right trust no one, not even yourself. yourself exactly. And and Nate's here too. He's also got he's got like an even more like he's younger than Cable is obviously, and um. He's got like longer, fringier bangs and has like an even better look, honestly. I mean, I don't know of a time when Nate Gray didn't have a good look, but he definitely has a good look. I mean, he wore a mesh shirt for a while. Yeah. I mean, but I think that's a good look. So, yeah. I'm not here to judge. You know what's a bad look? Um, Nate Gray thinking that it would be a the only way they know who to trust is reading all of their minds and Cable's like that's a bad idea my dude and he's (laughs) like no it's fine probably Um, because apparently what Nate Gray loves to do is get himself into situations that he can't handle because it's like he has to prove himself I guess I don't know I mean I mean, if you were if you if you were looking at Cable who you are technically a clone of I mean there's some inferiority complex that he had i'm sure yeah so which is funny because nate is the only one of them that doesn't have the techno organic virus right exactly which is yeah funny which is really funny and i think that's a thing that yeah because that's something that holds cable back. back yep um and cable talks about that or thinks about that in his narration a little bit um so we've got like uh um, we've also got like a monk like cable we've got a terminator cable some some of these character signs are better than others. That's what I will say. Um, <laughs> and so we get like uh, Nate tries to read all their minds and uh, see we get like a cool pastiche of all of these different alternate universes, which I do love me a good alternate universe pastiche of different multiple realities. I'm, I'm really into this like Jean Grey and Scott Summers like weird um like fantasy outfits uh the like one on the lower right yes yeah i also love the i do like the version of cable like looking over the like cyberpunk city that's also cool that's Um, which we saw a little bit of in previous issues too yes um so and apparently a cable that's being trained and raised by both gene and rachel yeah yeah very good and they have like a magneto helmet on one of the training dummies that's the that's the Sarge guy. Um Makes so like sense. one of one of them is like almost all metal. Um and he like is always talking about like calculations and stuff like that. He's doing the extremely like midnighter thing of the like tactical computer, like calculating mm-hmm. like percentages and whatnot. He's the Terminator one that has like he's almost all um but yeah, so they all, they literally do the trust, they they do the, like, who can we trust? We're all duplicates of each other. Um, Like, we can all do the same thing, so we need to prove, like, one of them walks away. I love this shit. This is my shit. <laughs> I love this trope so much of having, like, clones of each other, like, trying to prove themselves, like, which one is the one that we can trust, or who can we trust? <laughs> so they they get the brilliant idea, and I think this is Nate again. Like, none of them can leave because if one leaves and comes back, they won't know that he's not the duplicate or, like, the imposter. So they decide to take away all their time devices so that nobody can leave. And they put them all at a table and light some candles and just sit and wait. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's so 
it's ridiculous, but I love it. <laughs> they're all like getting extremely anxious because um, like they're all telepaths alone together now with no way out, like waiting out a monster. And we get like a really good scene of Cable and Nate Gray like on the ground because Cable is freaking like his techno organic virus is freaking out again because Midas is near and Nate. Like, they kind of have, like, a heart-to-heart, and it's actually kind of cute, I think. It's good. Yeah, it's good, because I don't feel like we get to see them together that much. Um, And then Cable has a very bad flashback to this scene of him being, like, knocked off a cliff, like our Cable, and this, like, keeps recurring. That's been keeping recurring in the series, so there's, like, we keep learning, like, a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, and then we come back, and there's just someone's arm. And this is like, you know what? This is just this is just a Resident Evil scenario. It this is. is just what this is literally what this is. Yeah. Um, because they've got like all the different types of people. Oh my god. I'm so like <laughs> You connected the I dots, Mikey. I didn't you got real- it? Yeah, I didn't realize when I when I read it. Um, but yeah, it's it's really good. Um, like again, like both Cable and Nate have this like cute, like attractive like vulnerable man like thing going on i don't know what it is about the way this artist draws them that's um, really good but it's really good um because like nate gets accused by terminator cable and then other cable like shoots a warning shot into the ceiling and is like we need to work together and then they they you know eventually just end up getting their asses kicked um because what we learn that what Midas does is he absorbs techno-organic tissue and he absorbs all of the other cables except mainline cable, 616 cable, and Nate Gray, because he can't absorb Nate Gray. Um, and they almost kill it. Uh, Nate does, even though but Cable tells cable him not to. Cable stops him. Yeah. He literally steps in front of him. Something's, going, something's up. And then Midas just flies away. And Nate can't understand why. And then he reads his mind, so he knows, but we don't know what's going on. Cable gives him, like, this little smile because Nate stole a time machine off the table when people weren't looking. And we don't get to see Cable smile that often either, and it's very good. I died inside a little bit. (laughs) Um, I'm letting Mikey talk about this one because, like, Mikey likes Cable actually a lot, so... Yeah, I do. I've liked him ever since the... I never really paid attention. Well, no, that's a lie, because, like, one of the first things I read on Marvel Unlimited, like, back years and years ago... Marvel Unlimited, by the way, has not gotten any better in the 10 years that I've used it. But one of the first things I read was Cable and Deadpool. Like, a little bit of that. Not the, like, OG OG, but, like, the stuff by Mark Brooks and Fabian Nieza. Um, So, and then Hope happened and i was like super into that so yeah no i really like this book it was really good um i really like the way this artist draws cable i really liked this story you know i i got i knew it was survival horror scenario like and i was really into that vibe but i didn't pick up on it that it was literally like a resident evil thing until Mm -hmm. just now it's a you know what it is mikey it's raccoon city no that's exactly it that's, that's exactly City. it. Like the week, yeah. It's everybody it's really trapped good. in Raccoon City. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's really good. Um, so then we can go on to um, Table One Fifty Eight, which is the most recent one that's come out yeah. and the second to last issue. And this one is the '90s X Force Syn Creative Team, 
Um, this one is the 1991 X-Force team. Yep, it is right. It is, like, super early. It is 1991. Yeah. It is, uh, like, the little note at the bottom says it takes place after X-Force number two. So we are original X-Force team. So Feral, Shatterstar, Warpath, Domino, Cable, Cannonball, Boom Boom. We don't even have Siren yet. First off. Yeah. First off, Domino's look in this first page is so 90s and so powerful, and I love it. It's extremely powerful. She's got, like, this, like, leather-cropped bustier, like, leather pants, and then, like, a short, high ponytail on. And her spot is, like, really big. Like, she's drawn, like, the way she used to be drawn. Because now, like, sometimes it's smaller or skinnier or more oval-like, depending on who's drawing her. But here it's like a big dot and it's just really good. Like she looks like a 90s pop star. It's uh no, it's extremely good. It's very um it was weird to like see because I saw these preview pages. I'm like, this is good. I'm excited about this. It's good. Everyone's drawn real good. And I really liked it because we got an intro that was like, hey, these are just kids. Yeah, it was Domino telling Cable. Cable's like, I can't tell them what's wrong with me and I won't, I can't let them in. And Domino just being like, you're a doofus. These are children. Why am I here? <laughs> um, and doing what Domino, like what I love Domino doing best, which is just like slapping sense into people mm -hmm. and being really like say, like speaking truth. I mean, and, like, of course, Cable doesn't listen, but she's absolutely right. Domino and X-Force is team wine mom. So, yeah. Fine. yeah, 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 no, it's extremely good. And then so Cable says, I can't talk to them, but, I, but what I can do is put them in a, train, a holographic training scenario. And Domino <laughs> says, how can you expect them to follow your orders if they don't know the real you? And Cable says, soldiers only need to operate with what's present at hand. So he's like full, this is full, like... This is, yeah, this is full, full like... Full Overwatch, like, um, Soldier 76. Like, this is why people are like, oh, it's Cyclops. And then Charlie's like, no, it's the other Summers. Yeah, it's cable. And th it's never more obvious than uh than when looking at this era of X-Force. Yeah, it, this is like the ability for um like Zack and, and Lonnie to like slide between like the characterizations of cable is so good. Like, it's very it's good. It's hard to pull off. It is yeah. extremely difficult. But we got it. We got it going on. So they cable walks away, like tells them all he has all of these very like uh unruly teenagers <laughs> who are like not happy to be there like first thing in the morning um listen there's someone who's okay with being well, there okay yeah and he's standing in the back with his ponytail um <laughs> like you know kind of put, put like dancing around in the non-existent wind um i really love how all the characters are like portrayed in this like lineup too like boom boom and cannonball are like gossiping and talking because you know it's they're both kind of the the silly and like gossipy members of the team and so cable does the lineup and gives them their orders and then says i won't be joining you and sends them off <laughs> but not before we get like they each get like a reaction line and it's really good. Like, it's the kind of, like, stuff that you get when you're, like, on a fighting game, like, loading screen. And it's then Overwatch. Some... It's like yeah. Overwatch yeah. before the mission. 
It's yeah. like before the, the, the game, the actual game starts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're exactly right. And Shatterstar says, I will make short work of this simulation. Um, and then Tabitha says, what if we trash the place? To which Cannonball replies, this is bogus. Yeah. And that's like, that's, that's such good shit. And Warpath also says, no, we'll fight and succeed as one. Um, which, you know. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you. Yeah. Um, He's trying. He, but it's yeah, so good. I mean, it's he... so this like, oh, uh, like getting people's personalities in like one-liners is very it's, difficult it's sometimes difficult. but zach and lonnie are really good at it we come back to this place a lot for cheap nostalgia like x-force in particular i think that this does this does it better than most do it yeah but no, part of me still wishes like part of me is like these people are still around like we can we can do this in the present day and it'd be such an interesting um juxtaposition about where these characters are now like that is fascinating to me i wish we could do that i wish somebody would do that um like have all the like present day exactly because i think um, that characters like meet their like past day selves well like, yes but you... like also just get x-force back together in the present that too like with that the too. present idea like the present like versions of those characters because they're st- all still here and one thing that struck me a lot, and I kind of knew this was going to happen when I was reading it, was like looking at, like looking at this Shatterstar and like looking at Shatterstar now. Yeah, like no, forgetting, it's like, like like just forgetting, like just forget what you forget what Peter David did to him. Just forget that. Like literally, if you just look at the like brunch scene, exactly, in New Mutants, Dead Souls, exactly. Like it is night and day, and it made me extremely emotional. So I was like, yeah. This I can is, imagine. This is. He's come is, so far. He's come. He's he has. Your son so has good. come so far. <gasps> he like, like he's here. Like this is obviously the the very beginning. And like, like if you like, it, it, yeah, it, it's yeah. No, I have a hard time artic- articulating it. <laughs> the first thing they fight is modern is like Deadpool, who's basically he's just modern day deadpool because i don't i don't think he's not that, x-force like, dead like early x-force deadpool because that guy's a lot different yeah he was not the quippy fourth wall breaking deadpool that we know today um i do like the there's a graffiti on the wall that's rob was here as a like easter egg which i yes. found funny um also deadpool calls uh domino sunny or sweet d which i am pretty sure is like an it's always sunny reference I think you might be wrong. I think you might not be wrong with that. So it's good. <laughs> Which is really funny because like that also doesn't belong in 1991, but that's okay. He's here. Um, and Shatterstar is just the glory is mine. Flattering will not get you mercy. Only the tips of my blades, heathen. Um, <laughs> after Deadpool doesn't even like it's not flattery. He's what he literally says is Wayne Gretzky called. He wants his helmet back. <laughs> Which I think is it's also funny. like a very time timely reference for this time period because i think that was like a whole like you, when yes. gretzky having things stolen was like a whole thing yes you are correct and it is it's also not a f- meme because memes weren't really a thing yet but and that it's was, funny that like, star takes that as a compliment which is yes. which is really funny yeah. to me <laughs> no it's really good um and then he says your confidence will be your undoing to which deadpool replies ugh you're the worst <laughs> and kick kick star in the head like as he makes a bad dive. Yeah, Star also has, like, good surprise. He's constantly, like, surprised when things don't go his way. 
which is really good. Oh, and then we have that weird, like, weird moments where Feral's, like, lusting after Shatterstar. Yeah, yeah, there was one was of those. Which was definitely and a thing. In... She says, my star, and he's just, like, does not respond. No, he did not, not respond to any of not her. Not on that level at all. To her weird advances in X-Force. To, yeah. To my great things. They, like, all get their asses kicked until Cable finally is, like, steps in and tells them how to do things and, like, what to do and is kind of, like, the kind of this really interesting like telepathic general or strategist which i liked seeing a lot so after cable basically told them what to do they come back and shatterstar says there was never a seed of doubt that we would hail victorious and dom says we all saw you get your ass kicked back <laughs> and i'm just like oh man dom just being like the very matter of fact extremely tired team mom is yeah no it's... oh god it's so good <laughs> it'd be really difficult to translate like to translate these guys in into like this is enjoyable in a way that like early X-Force really wasn't <laughs> yeah so but it's like it's that's that's why it's good right yeah like, it is it's the best parts of like what it should have been. been exactly um also i really love tabitha's uniform in this area era even though i know that they aren't the creative team isn't like solely responsible no that's for it. A, this i really is, love how this, it's portrayed here this is a that uniform you can thank rob for that one yeah no i know i'm just saying i i like it and i like how it's portrayed here yeah no it's very good i'm also i'm also really tired of rob liefeld dunking like in general i know we've talked about that too but i'm tired of people like dunking on him just to dunk on him uh agreed also agreed because usually it comes with a undercurrent of you can't like what you like because it's Rob Liefeld, which is shitty and bad, and no one should dunk on things just to dunk on them either. Yes. Feral's hair is drawn majestically. Um, yeah, everybody's, it's, it's a lot. Everybody's drawn pretty majestically, let's just say. Yeah. Well, it, needless to say, uh, Mita shows up and the simulation yeah, goes horribly get, wrong. Yeah, and we also get, like, because um, they all, like, well, what happens before Mita shows up is, like, Warlock, or, yeah, Warlock shows up. And they're all like, you died, buddy. It, it's him. It's him. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, but they don't know that. Um, yeah. And, like, the they lose the connection to Cable. And so Shatterstar says, we must help our leader. And Domino's just kind of, like, doesn't... She's frozen for a moment. And then she turns to him and says, no, stand down, await his orders. And then Shatterstar is the one that's surprised at her reaction to that. So he actually goes rogue. Yeah. And, like, decides to leap in anyway, despite orders, which is, like, an interesting way to portray, like, the person that Shatterstar would become. Agreed. A, obviously, he's, like, like, he, he, he does it under the guise of being, like, the uh, valiant warrior, but he's, like, abandoned no one because he actually, like, feels emotions for his team members, just doesn't, he doesn't have Rick to, like, help him process that yet, so. Also, I really love the Midas, like, monster design, just in general. Oh, right? Yeah, it's no, it's really good. terrifying, techno-organic, like, Dark Souls boss, and it turns into, like, a Hydra with all of their faces in this really gross way. And then, like, turns into, like, a vipe. One of the heads, like, follows them as they run away. And it turns into a viper that, yeah. like, turns around and corners them. It's so good. It's so good. And, like, even when Cable's, like, shocked at him showing up, like, he's still <laughs> really attractive. And I just <laughs> don't know how, like, this artist makes it work. 
Um, it comes a tech. Uh, he makes a te- the the uh, Midas makes a techno organic Ileana. Yeah, that, like, which is like slashes Jimmy in the back. Yeah, which is also like her her costume design. It it like um I think it's like of the era, but the way her sword glows glows in a way that I think is not like it looks the light hitting it looks like the soul sword a little bit, and I don't yeah. think she had it at this point. She in was time. a she was a little child. She was she had been yeah, DH at this point. Yeah, so yeah. this is like, I like the like showing that this is not how it actually happened, but this is Cable reliving these time periods, but altered as like he's going through his memories. Yes. So like that's why we're getting these anachron- anachronisms. So like everybody, you know, everybody gets their ass kicked and. You know, Cable turns around and says to Midas, you didn't, they don't deserve this. And he's, and Midas is like, neither did I, like, and I'll never forgive you for what you did to me. Uh, And then Cable says, I was just a boy. So something happened. So it, like, there's a reason that one scene keeps being replayed. Yeah. Then they go to that night, like, Domino barely made it out alive. And then Shatterstar is sitting, like, with his arm in a sling. And he still has his helmet on. That boy's got I a think. healing factor. Yeah. Can we just make a? Can we just make an executive decision? Does Star have his healing factor, or does he not have his? Healing well, factor? so here, like, I could imagine it being like he's not even really like his arm is just in a sling. Like he doesn't so, look hurt. I think it's- that I think that, like, in my thoughts, it's always that it's not. It's like to an extent. So. If Star's actual mutant ability is, like, a conductor of bioelectricity, and, like, he can output bioelectricity, that means his body makes more bioelectricity than necessarily is necessary because of mm-hmm. his mutation. Right. If that is correct, then it's possible that his healing factor is just a byproduct... An extension of that, yeah. ...of, like, your systems running extremely efficiently. Yeah, so, so if, like, I could see that he wouldn't have healed maybe necessarily 100% in this because he was also like you know wore himself out through that fight. Exactly. I think that's how it goes. I think it's yeah. like but regardless I could also see Feral who is like with him like just being like no you need this sling trust me and him just like being like oh, you're giving me this sling I don't know what to do man. <laughs> I mean the boy's still got his helmet on when everyone else is in pretty much normal clothes he's got no he's got his shirt off like they're he's like got half his... yeah they're half in half out of uniform but like he yeah. doesn't take his house see when i like have a helmet like that on like which because it's like martial arts gear like when i would do sparring like that would be the first thing i would take off because i'm like i hate having this thing on yeah but you know the star star yeah <laughs> um but yeah no so we get a good like and cable of course hasn't learned his lesson um, yeah because he's we got one more still... issue to go yeah, he's but still... superlative so far. Yeah, no, it's it's super good. Like this is something that like there's one issue that I didn't read, um, but I'm definitely gonna have. Oh, to... it was Cable and Hope. It was from second. It was like from yeah, the Messiah, the like Messiah. Um, I really stuff. need to go back and read it. Or Messiah Complex, excuse me. Yeah, so I I I like this is something that continues to like every issue. It's like getting better. And I'm glad that even if we only have these few issues, that it exists. Agreed. Which leads Moving. us to the X Men Gold surprise of the week. I guess. Uh, mm, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> One can say that. Okay, so 
I was spoiled for this because Marvel spoiled it before the issue came out. Oh, did they? Yeah, I didn't even know. They did it. They did. And I'm not sure why. Because they they always do this. They always do that. Bendis would get really frustrated with it in particular, I remember, because they would do this and he would be like, you just spoiled my issue. Like, what? Let people read it. Which part of it was Bendis being Bendis. But the issue came in a bag with a like a. Uh, like a cover on it so you couldn't see why, what the why would what, you then spoil it listen i don't know but it came with it's like it's almost like you don't have any confidence in your ability to sell comics and you don't know what sells comics good. yeah right right it's almost like that but it came in a bag with a cover on it so when you take the cover off and you open it the people who were getting married on the actual cover are rogan gambit yeah, that because that that is what actually happens. Yes. The setup is that it is the marriage of Kitty Pride and Colossus Peter Rasputin. Um, I'm not gonna go. Okay, first off, bad <laughs> that this was a very. I haven't been reading X Men Gold. I know I've seen you and Papa in particular talk about it. I know that folks. It seems like it's been very uneven. Um. So oh, the yes. creative team on this one is uh, the writer is Mark Guggenheim, uh, artist is Dave Marquez, uh, colorist is uh, Matthew Wilson, um, and the cover is done by Phil Minotto. I'm tell you, you couldn't get a better artist on this book. Mm, there, there's panels, but I'll forgive like the panel to panel because I know like the way co- in which comics are made is sometimes like there, there's. There's panels with less detail and panels with more. And, like, I don't know. I feel like he draws Kitty, like, her proportions are really weird. But other than that, like, that's minor quibbles. I really love Dave Marquez's work in general. Oh, yeah. The expressions are where he nails it. The one thing, so, I, so I haven't been reading this. This is my first X-Men Gold that I've read. It's okay, I haven't missed much. Yeah, so I hear, again, (laughs) I hear it's a very uneven at best book. I don't like so that we start out with uh, Peter Rasputin and Kitty Pride talking like in the past. And then we flash forward to the future as they look at their wedding venue and like Kitty thinks the same thing that she thought uh, in the memory that Peter is remembering. That's not good repetition. I hate it. It's very Poet- bad. I, and the words are poetry from a man who said he never had the words to express what was in his soul. What the fuck does that mean? I don't know. Also, Peter, buddy, I hate to tell you, but maybe thinking about your dead love on your wedding day is not a good look. It's not. Because his memory is him reminiscing about when his love died and he told Kitty that, which is also why would you? I don't know. I will be straight up and straightforward. I do not like Peter Rasputin as a character. I don't really like Colossus either. Yeah. He's a white knight in the worst way, and actually one of the few places where I've lo- liked him is in the battle world where, um, it, like, Ileana and the goblins and whatever had taken- Oh, you mean Inferno? Yeah. Yeah. You mean when he's with Domino? Yeah. Well, right, because Domino, like, keeps his head on the straight and narrow, and also, like, we still see his, like, white knighting self-destructive tendencies in a very particular way. Like, they're in full force on that book, and I- like, I don't like him, but I liked his use of the Like, that felt true to the character to me in a good, like, yeah. alternate universe. Like, he was still him. It was just, like, you know, it, it was what, It's what you're supposed to do, right? It's what yeah. you're supposed to do but in an alternate I don't, universe. I don't like him. I don't like... Yeah, I don't know why people think Colossus is the best X-Man. 
I don't understand that sentiment whatsoever. At least like 616 Colossus, because I'm not going to talk about Ultimates even. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> so like he's a very white knight. He's very like, he's the guy that's like, I know exactly what can help you. And it's like, buddy, you haven't talked to me. I just got back from hell. And he's like, you're my precious angel sister. And she's like, no, actually, I've been traumatized. And like, like with Ileana <laughs> and like that will happen with other people. And he's like always trying to tell people, like, give them some inspiring words. Like uh, the fact that Ileana's conception of him in New Mutants Dead Souls was quoting James Steinbeck at her was hilarious. Or John Steinbeck, sorry, was hilarious. <laughs> Because that is, like, he is that guy. Yeah. Like, um, he's, like, the the artist that heals things and just wants to protect people. And, like, I hate that trope in general. <laughs> and I just don't like him. So, like, I don't think that he and Kitty are a good match anyway. They're not. Spoiler alert. But, yeah. So that's kind of becomes what this issue is about, by the way. And here, and here, and here's one thing about Mark Guggenheim. He brings up, like, he recycles X Men tropes just for the fact that they're there. So he likes to put yeah. There's a lot things, of that. In this he likes issue. to put things in a book or an issue that are like, oh, I gotta take off this box. Here's baseball. Here's time travel. Yeah. Here's, here's Harry's hideaway, hideaway closed for a private event. Yes. Here's Quentin Quire at this wedding that he has no business no, attending. Exactly. No one else from Generation X or any of the Wolverine and the X-Men characters. He's there by himself? He's like there by Why would Quentin go to this wedding? He Literally no reason. Literally no reason. Even exactly. if, like, Generation X hadn't happened, literally no reason. Isn't, exactly. It's like, put some background characters in there. What? Okay. Yeah. But, like... Quentin and, like, no one else. Yeah, it's so weird. It's just weird. He doesn't even have a date. He doesn't even have a plus one. Like, first of all, he wouldn't go. Yeah. Wait, is that Deadpool and Lady Deadpool? In the oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, I'm sure they just, like, do random characters. I'm but, like, sure. Quentin is consistently there, and that boggles my mind. There's Guido. Guido's back there. Yeah. But well, I buy okay, that. the New Mutants are here. Her New Mutants Dead Souls team is here, and that makes sense. Where's Rick? I don't see him. Oh, I don't see Rick, I don't but see I Rick saw anywhere. like everyone else. It's okay. You know what is happening? You know, you know what's happening? This is my theory. My theory is, my theory is when this wedding. Everybody thought that Rick this, was dead, so no, they didn't. Yeah. This, no, when this wedding goes south, um, uh, Rick, Star, Tabby, um, and Ileana are all at the at the bar, like drinking, complaining yeah. about straight people. Also, though, can you imagine, um like Shatterstar or Rick even coming to this wedding. No. I don't think he would come to this wedding. Like, why would he go? I only wanted, I only wanted to see them because I wanted to see them in nice clothes. Yeah. Yeah. Drawn no, by Dave that's Marquez. Fair. That's, the that's, that's fair. Um, the best recurring bit in this is Jean, like adult Jean, Rachel Summers, and teen Jean all like talking and gossiping with each other. Yes. And like teen Jean gets like a martini or something in a martini glass and um like adult jean is like momming her and being like you're not legal drinking age and then rachel's just rachel constantly has a headache i mean wouldn't you? which is such a mood yeah yeah like she and you know kurt is like off being best man and she's just like i just would rather not thanks <laughs> 
Remy and uh and Rogue are actually really cute in this. I do actually like them in this. Yeah, they um, worked they worked they worked their problems out in a very fantastic Rogue and Gambit miniseries that you should actually be reading or have read. Um it's very, very good. So this is the conclusion basically to that or like Yeah. And it's it it works their shit out. So if anybody has a complaint about how, why are, they're not good for each other this that, and the other they really actually worked their shit out in like yeah. a interesting cool way in that series go kelly thompson forever yeah um yeah Lockheed. like so people show up lockheed's got a family which i d- actually thought was kind of cute um because people like to forget that Lockheed is a thing um so i appreciate that and then we get to this part of the issue so iliana's here She's uh Kitty's like maid of honor. And she gets a bottle of champagne and Kitty says Biggest mood. Yeah, she says, You look like you haven't had a drink yet. Kitty says, I probably shouldn't like she says that stuff goes right through me. Um, and Kitty admits it's a phasing joke. And then <sighs> I have um so apparently the internet has already told people how they feel about this. Um, I ignored, I pointedly ignored the spoiler channel and the uh, Jay and Miles discord until I read this uh, today. And I like pointedly ignored anything like any people's reactions to this. So Kitty and Ileana go up on this roof and it's a total fake out. And I'm literally, I'm just going to read what I wrote as I was reading this. Um, cause I like have a document that's like a rough outline. That's just my shit post reactions. So I didn't like spoil them for Charlie. <laughs> I, so Kitty and Ileana are sit end up on this roof away from the party. The roof presumably of Harry's hideaway. Like shotgunning and, a bottle of champagne. Yeah. Shotgunning a bottle of champagne in the dark. Um, and I wrote, love this page of totally a hundred percent straight gal pals. Um, <laughs> And at one point, like, Ileana shares the bottle and then just uh, with Kitty. And then when Kitty's done, she just, like, starts, yeah, shotgunning it. And I'm just like, so Kitty is like, or um, Ileana's like, I have something to tell you. Like, Kitty's like, something's wrong. And Ileana's like, I shouldn't tell you. And then Kitty's like, no, tell me. And then, so for those of you that don't know, like, there were extremely queer undertones between kitty and iliana back when claremont was writing them still like to the point of like very coded body language even but mm-hmm. since it was still comics code authority they couldn't have any kind of homosexuality on panel um when claremont was writing them and claremont has since written kitty is by but has been like the only person to write kitty is by and not only that, I did so the research I was doing on Ileana was originally to find out whether she had ever had a boyfriend. I could not find that she'd ever nope. had a boyfriend nope. in comics. Nope, 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 nope. Um our good so, friend our good friend Mike uh Michael, our good friend Matthew Rosenberg also agrees uh that he interprets Ileana as being queer. So Yeah. Like it's it's one of those things where like if she was gonna have a boyfriend, she would have had one by this had one, point. Yeah, you'd think. So that has not happened, like, it to the point where, like, I could even not even find anyone saying that someone had set her up with someone. Nope. Um, ever. And so she's like, so the last panel we get on that first page of this scene is, please don't make me say this. And then it, I flip the page, 
And it's just, I don't think you and Peter are good together. Cop out, right? It's such a cop out because, like, she's clearly, like, super intoxicated. And the whole, which, you know, say what you will about intoxication and, you know, I, it can be. Prob- I mean, it just takes the filter. It can off. have its problems. But, like, her whole thing is, like, this is her completely unfiltered and she's blurting stuff out that she isn't meant to say. But all she says is, I don't think you and Peter are good together. When clearly, like, the body language and the facial expressions and everything is just screaming, like, I love you you and I can't say that I am. Yeah. And it made me literally so mad to see this. And I really (laughs) hope someone has drawn fan art or, like, rewritten the panels to correct this page. I think they did. But thank God, because, like, it's just... It's so clear, like in any, I feel like in any other universe, like we would have gotten that. And the fact that we didn't just speaks volumes to me again about where comics is at and where the X-Men is at. Okay. Okay. I'm reeling you back a little bit. Okay. If only to tell you that apparently the story line is not done. I agree that this is, this would have been the place to say that, but I also think that some of that needs a little bit more time. Yeah, I don't think Guggenheim should have been the person to write it regardless. Oh, no, no, not at all. But I'm just saying, like, it's like, you know, your best friend is marrying your brother. Shouldn't you be happy? And, like, it's 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 just the fact that it's so crystal clear. Like, yeah, I could see her copping out and saying that if, like, the impression given was not, like... I blurted out something I shouldn't have. Because mm-hmm. if that's not the truth, then anyway, then like, what's the worry? Yeah. I guess. Because then, like, literally all of Ileana's reactions later, like, don't match up with what she said. Um, Agreed. So that's, that's why I'm like, so I, I get that it's not done. It's just like, it literally doesn't, what she said doesn't match the gravity of how she's acting. Um, and then we get, like, there again, there's more, there's a fucking hotel. The hotel that they're, like, setting up in is the Claire Byron Hotel, which is Chris Claremont and then and, John Byrne. Uh, Byrne. Byrne. Yeah, like, mashed together, which, again, like, is just, it's, it's, I don't, it's cute. And it's, like, twee cute. And I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, We do get, like peter blushing because he doesn't realize that kurt and rachel are an item which again is just peter also a thing that yeah just being peter being like a this white knight pure boy the garbage and there is like a cute scene again of kitty hating makeup she says i hate mascara almost as much as i hate makeup which is then you know funny because of what i mentioned before in dead souls we get again like it's it Again, Guggenheim is like having everyone comment on this wedding and like how they feel about weddings. And I hate the fact that he feels like he needs every background mutant like to be involved in this story because it's just like one off. Like there is a cute moment of like um, teen Jean and teen Cyclops like being weirded out by the fact that apparently they got married here. Yeah, it's it's a cute moment, but I feel like it didn't need to be there. I think the cutest moment in this panel is uh, Cable and Jean. Jean. Yeah. In the background. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's really good. Yeah. That's good. Um, also, like, Kurt forgetting the, wi- the, the rings and the rabbi saying something about forget, uh, do, do we have the rings? And then Kurt has to bamf away. That's good. 
I like that goof. Yeah, no, that was good. That's Kurt being Kurt. This, this that panel of this panel of Guido that she put in here. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like he's like a background mutant, but his like eyes are really big, and it's he's got his glasses on, his tiny glasses on, but like yeah, but it looks like his eyes are just huge instead. Yeah. <laughs> so then, what happens is Peter and Kitty go to say their vows and go to put their rings on, and then Kitty phases through Peter. Uh, and into the ground which well and then so she phases through him when she goes to put the ring on and then there's a uh, i didn't put it here but there's like a reaction page of like everyone's reaction and then just the rabbi being sad in the bottom center and it's like broken (laughs) out into like a grid i hate it i absolutely hate it like i just again it feels like everyone needs to be involved like we could have seen I didn't need a four, like a Brady Bunch style grid of like how everyone (laughs) felt about this moment. Like it was such a powerful thing to cut to just a panel of Kitty phasing through. And I wish they would have left it at that. Yeah, it should have been. That page literally didn't need. Again, like everyone is involved and it feels like we need to. It feels like they're like swinging the reporter's camera and being like, and how did you react to the news? And how do you feel about this? And how do you feel about this? Right. And it's just unnecessary. There's so much good imagery around here. Yeah. Like Dave Mark has his own amazing artist. If you want to have powerful images, have confidence. And like if it was Dave's idea, then, you know, fine. But I don't think it was, though. It probably wasn't. Yeah, because it's such a powerful moment to have that panel of phasing through and then the veil like trailing behind where she fell and like falling onto the ground. Yes. And just cutting from the ring phasing through to that, I think would have been way better. That would have been enough. Agreed. Because that's enough of a powerful moment. Like Dave Marquez has the ability to create these incredibly powerful moments just have confidence in his ability to do that and let that be the story and and let that go yeah yeah there's so much like again it's it's another thing there's so much in this book that just doesn't need to be there that's just like like i said it's like ticking boxes off it's like that's what he does he just ticks yeah and i I, i'm not a fan i'm personally not a fan at all and we get another moment where we got uh, both jeans and rachel and we we um have them commenting on like how they're feeling or how they think yeah. how they how they interpret um kitty's feeling also i also think that it would have been and i know people like clean people like clean things i understand this but um i would have been okay if kitty and peter just didn't show didn't make it back to this yeah issue that was also weird because then they're like awkwardly standing next to each other yeah. and i'm just like okay i get that the comic you know, like they had a conversation, and- which I didn't think needed to be there. I think if we just no. like cut away from them completely and like have this other moment, then yeah, that's fine. It, it kind of felt weird because then they were like coming back to their kind wedding, of be involved yeah. in this so- other moment. Yeah, yeah. No, there was there was a lot that I don't know much about Mark Guggenheim, honestly. So I'm not going to say that he's like a bad writer or anything, but I don't. <sighs> could have been it comes off as like soap opera bullshit yeah but well that's what so many people interpret the x-men as and i i know there's a way well, to do the, the soap opera is, like, that's there, good there's so many genuine moments in here yeah that, like it's written like it's there's a lot in here that's actually very genuine so when they have those soap opera bullshit moments it actually makes the comic like it's in a bad the tone yeah. is inconsistent yeah it, it, it makes the it makes the 
it makes it's kind of like a, a shifting scale that's not like we can never find a balance with it yeah like, it's always like hey this is really great like you have to constantly oh, interrupt this drama for your jokes yeah and-, and then we're back here at the other side where things aren't so great like we never get a balance like it's like we're juggling like there's too many things to juggle right because yeah. we've put all these characters in there because they have to comment on everything they just can't just be here um and obviously there's a few players that we want in this story with everybody else but like curate your background mutants a little bit better yeah first off and i know that i know that i don't know you're doing something like this you have some time to curate your background mutants um yeah no second yeah secondly um i'm so glad that rogan gambit's wedding was cute like that's really good it was like very cute and good for the moment yeah and that's very them but yeah, that was that was X Men Gold. Not a huge fan overall. I'll be honest. I there was a, so much in it where I would like just start to get into it, and then it would pull away and do one of those like insert moments, and I'm just like, not this again. Yeah, not this insert again. how. <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah. That's how I feel about yeah. it most of the time. Always. Yeah. We've got a little long, so I won't talk at length about Cloak and Dagger number one. Oh, Dennis Hope was coming out of nowhere with this one. Yeah, literally out of nowhere. Nowhere, yeah. I thought this book was incredible. Um, who's the who's the artist on this book again? It is David Messina. There you go. Yeah. So this book, like, I okay, I like the way that they're dealing with Dagger trying to go it alone and clearly struggling with it and like trying to process her trauma and like her how she handles relationships and everything like that i actually really liked that um i really love her costume redesign they gave her like a cool like undercut and she has like a truck can't ever go wrong with the undercut yeah she with like a cool like cross design in it she's got like cross like the cutouts are now on her shoes which is kind of cool she doesn't have the boob cutout anymore which god bless she's got like a tricked out um vw bug like a white old vw bug as her car it's just it's very good it's very good it's very stylish Um, and it's good yeah it's it's got a lot of panache and it does it while also trying to tell a very very good story about like codependency and trauma and like you know her trying to process that and i think that was bless you dennis hopeless bless you it's really for all of the things you've blessed us with yeah so if you haven't checked that out, I won't talk anymore about Please that. Do. So go check that out. It's and digital keep an only. Eye out. Yeah, it's keep an eye out only, for the second one. But it's it might really go good. to print as like a. I I'm sure it'll go to. Print I'm sure it'll eventually. be a trade. For, I'm sure it'll be in a trade. Trade. Yeah. Um. But no, it's it's really good. Dennis is doing what he does best, which is angst, for lack of a better term. But it's not angst though. It's like well, again, it's, well, realistic relationships. How about that? Like, right. And like, what would actually happen? Yeah. Like, I talk a lot about how adult superheroes so often aren't allowed to have like the like what would happen. Like, this is this is a teen superhero. This is also a teen superhero becoming an adult and like having to deal with all of this stuff, which doesn't happen very often in superhero comics. Like adults aren't allowed to process personal anxiety yeah. and depression and shit like that because she's pretty on the border being depressed yeah we don't get deep dives into a lot of people's mental states yeah no it's really good but dennis is somebody that does that extremely well i really appreciate it kudos as always dennis hopeless and things that he does 
Um, so that but, brings us to, did you want to do your, your end segment that I still don't know what it is? Yeah. Um, so I've been watching. Uh, why do I keep saying I've been watching <laughs> these things? I've been listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour on NPR. Ah, okay. And they do a segment every week where they ask what's making you happy. Like what's making everybody happy. So I thought I'd posit the question to you, Mikey. Then you can ask me back what's making you happy this week, even if this week maybe wasn't the best. Like upcoming <laughs> or in the past? Uh, it could be. Okay. Um, it could have been this, what was this week or maybe what next week might bring. Please enlighten me. Well, this is maybe going to sound really obvious, but I did a streamed playtest of my game. What, what, what was yesterday for us now, um, Saturday, the 23rd of June. It was a lot of fun. It went really well. Folks really enjoyed themselves playing it. People seemed to enjoy themselves watching. M one of my players, my friend Lavender, came up with cut co cutlery jingles like on the spot. Um, and we created this really good small town full of like deep McDonald's lore and Stepford wife <laughs> cultists. And because we like went a little spooky. And it was really good, and I had a lot of fun. And also, like, I worked really hard on all the, like, graphics for it. I saw that. And folks really liked those, too. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of fun. And it's nice to... Because my first playtest, I'm not going to lie, was kind of a disaster. Like, we had fun, but it was a disaster design-wise. And it was really good to have things that I was really hoping would work, work. Um, and the things that didn't work, like, I know what next steps I can take to improve on them and help them not feel so awkward or, um, you know, like stop gappy. So yeah, no, I had a lot of fun with that and I'm glad that it went well. It was wild. It was a wild ride, but yeah. Good. And then you stopped by and that also made me really happy. Oh, well, thank you. So I'm okay. So tell everybody what, so just repeat what your name of your game is again for everybody. Uh, no place like home. You can find it. I have a link on my website, quantum.space. You don't need to buy it or anything. The latest version is up for free. So the tabletop role-playing game. So yeah. What made you happy, Charlie? Maybe kind of. It's not obvious, actually, because you don't know me, really. But um, you do, but you don't. <laughs> I'm like, I know you. Um, so I um, subscribe to a YouTube channel. Um that is called the Tim Tracker. Mm -hmm. And it is about um, Tim and Jen Tracker, who are a married couple that go to, they live in Orlando or the Orlando area, and they vlog. So, I mean, they're obviously that's to do on YouTube, but they just have, like, they go to amusement parks and um, they, like, do home vlogs, and they just make me happy. Like, I'll, like, I haven't watched them for a while because I like I'm saving the videos because when I like I need I want something like good to watch like I'll just put them on like yeah they they're just two really nice people and I really like their videos and they're super positive and like they actually enjoy going to the parks because I'm like so tired of people like oh Disney's just a manufactured happiness and it makes me feel weird well get out of here because that's all you like it's it's fair to criticize it like for certain reasons but like there's there's a way again like there's a way to criticize things that doesn't just come off as dunking on people that like them 
And that's yes. very rare on the internet these days. I'm actually glad when I find it as opposed to the other thing. Yes. So it makes me happy. And I just watched a whole bunch of their videos. They went to Tokyo Disney. Oh, nice. And it was very cute. And then, like, I always love their, like, Disneyland, like, stuff. So when they came back. Yeah, I was actually wondering, have they gone to the rebranded um, Incredibles ride yet? No, they were there right before that happened. Ah, um, okay. So when they came back from Tokyo, um, they did Disneyland and Universal Hollywood, like, stuff. And I always love to see that them go out there. Um and it's, they just make me happy. So it is the Tim Tractor on YouTube, and they are really good people, and I like to watch them. So that's what's making me happy. Yeah, it's good to have something like that where, like, if you're having a bad time to, like, have a go-to that's, like, a soothing thing. Yes. That, you know, won't get you, like, spun up in some other bad way. Like, exactly. to just have something nice. Like, I know, for me, it's, like, the small cooking videos. Like, mm-hmm. people that make very small The food. tiny cooking, it's very yeah. good. That's also very yeah, good. Yeah, that's, that's, and they put on like some nice music and I just get to watch them make like a tiny apple pie or tiny frankfurters. <laughs> yes. Like that's, that's, that's what I like. That's it. That's right, right there. But, um, yeah, after that blatant ripoff of. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, I like uh, it. That's good. It's, it, I think it's a positive way to end things, um, sometimes. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that is our episode. So. If you like this episode and you like all our other episodes and perhaps will like future episodes, if you are in the future, you can find us on Twitter at Young Ones Cast. Always there. I'm always there. Mikey's always there. It's just, that's where you can get a hold of us. Yeah, I might not like tweet as that very often, but I do check like the replies and stuff. Yes. So um, if, if you don't want to tweet or are not on Twitter, you can always email us at youngwinscast at gmail.com um please if you want to i guess um <laughs> and certainly if um you like what we do here and you would like to be so kind you could leave us a rating and or review on itunes um stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts i'm still up in the air about what google play does or does not do we're never gonna know we're like, never gonna know it's, we're never it's gonna a secret know. but leaving a review and a rating helps other people find our podcast. So if you want to tell a friend about it too, that works also. You can find me is a little chilling down. I'm like winding down from this comic. Weird comic time I've been having. Um, you can find me at Genetic Ghost on Twitter, where I make funny posts sometimes. That's all I got right now. And you post good panels of comics that you're reading. I do. <laughs> Very good panels. Yes. Um, I'm as fit as the cello. Got that one today. That was good. The Chatterstar panel. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> you can find me there. What about you, Mikey? You can find me at quantum.dot on Twitter, where I talk mostly about tabletop role playing and video games. Like I said, um, when this comes out, I guess it'll be like the end, tail end of SGDQ. So I'm going to try to catch some of that this week. There's going to be a Thief the Dark Project speedrun, which I'm really excited for. So I will try not to do. The E3 thing, though, where I just have a thread where I just bar forth reactions. E3 is like the... We didn't even talk about E3. Yeah, E3 was like, that was like a couple weeks ago, and that was my whole week, and that was a whole time. There was a lot that happened at E3. Todd, yeah, okay. I'm not gonna... That, that's like a whole other podcast by itself, honestly. You got it. You got it. But also, we aren't a video game podcast, so... Yeah. But yeah, so 
you can find me there. I talk about tabletop role-playing game design, video game design, representation in media, comics sometimes, though I keep a lot of that for the podcast. And you can also find me at my Twitch, which is where the archive for the No Place Like Home playtest is. Um, it's twitch.tv slash quantum dot. I've also been doing a playthrough of Thief the Dark Project on Thursdays, though I won't do one this week because I am moving. But yeah, and that's why I'm excited about the Thief the Dark Project thing, because that's something I've been playing. So yeah, that's that's where you can find me and what I do. And quantumdot.space is my website where all my things are kept. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, that has, That's been an episode. That has been a episode. Um, I guess Cable would body slide. So let's body slide by two, yeah, I let's, guess. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Okay. All right, everybody. All right. Bye, bye. everybody. Bye. <laughs>